Welcome to the Panema Wellness Podcast. I'm Yona Chatsunov, registered nurse, women's health educator, and Bodeka Tara. And I am passionate about educating and empowering from women in their search for health and well-being. In this podcast, we explore health topics in a sensitive and practical way, answer questions, and discover new ideas and perspectives from other from women like ourselves. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey to learn new information in a safe and curious space. IUD podcast number two. We're starting with some of the fun stuff. Are there any side effects of IUDs? Well, yes. These are devices that are being put into the body, so they undeniably will have some kind of side effects. But one of the things that makes IUDs popular is that they tend to have fewer side effects than other highly reliable methods of birth control. Neither copper nor the hormonal progesterone IUDs work systemically. They don't work on the whole body. Copper has no systemic side effects. Unless a woman is allergic to copper or has a rare medical condition that makes her super sensitive to copper, no changes will occur outside the uterus itself. Progesterone IUDs usually do not have a systemic side effect either, but some very sensitive women have reported side effects such as headaches, moodiness, and breast pain to a lesser degree than experienced with other hormonal birth control, but present nonetheless. Because IUDs don't work systemically, they're not designed to override hormones at the level of the ovaries, so neither will prevent PMS or ovarian cysts. So to summarize, side effects of the IUD outside of the reproductive system, very uncommon. But here's something that's really important that women do not always realize. Both types of IUDs can lead to spotting, probably will lead to spotting. That being said, they're not exactly the same, and I'll compare copper and progesterone IUDs just a little bit. Copper often causes spotting for the first three months or so because it irritates the lining of the uterus. That irritation is part of how it works. Like I mentioned before, primarily it works by inactivating sperm, but another method of action is that it makes the lining of the uterus less receptive to implantation. So because that irritation is part of how it works, it takes the body some time to adjust. Even after the spotting stops with the copper IUD, women continue often continue to report heavier periods with increased cramping. Occasionally, a woman will be able to feel that T-shaped copper IUD, particularly in certain positions or when she's with her husband. And that's because it's a bit larger than the hormonal devices. In Israel, there are actually a few copper intrauterine devices that have a non-standard shape. They're supposed to cause less cramping, bleeding, and discomfort, and they can even potentially prevent expulsion. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. However, they're inserted only by specially trained providers, and they do cost significantly more than other IUDs. With the progesterone IUD, you have to be prepared to expect a lot of spotting. Three to six months of spotting is considered normal with a new progesterone IUD. It's pretty much universal. And more than once, I've heard from a woman who wasn't warned by her doctor that spotting might occur. And I'm, I'm always shocked and I feel bad for her because you got to know that in advance. No one likes spotting, but obviously for a from woman who's keeping Taras and Mishpacha, spotting is a huge deal. The spotting with the hormonal IUD comes from the thinning of the uterine lining that occurs. Again, just like with the copper, 
the side effect is directly related to the way the IUD works. For most women, the spotting tapers off and then they'll end up with shorter and less frequent periods. Many women actually end up with no period at all if their progesterone IUD has been in for longer than a year. What are the pros of an IUD versus other methods of contraception, such as pills, patch, NuvaRing? So number one, the main pro is that they work. They work really well and they're hard to mess up. When a woman uses a birth control method that she has to remember daily, monthly, or even every few months, there are a lot of opportunities to goof. Depending on why a woman is using birth control, whether it's because spacing is really important to her, or she just had a C-section, or she has another medical or mental health concern, or whatever it is, it can be a really important factor when picking a type of birth control. IUDs just work consistently and dependably. Number two, IUDs are considered long-acting reversible contraception, or LARC is another term that's used. The same IUD can remain in place for years. How many years depends on which type a woman receives, but when they're removed, a woman very quickly returns to being fertile or able to get pregnant. Number three, both types of IUD are safe to use during breastfeeding. They're generally inserted at four to six, four to six weeks after birth when the uterus has returned to its normal non-pregnancy size, and they do not impact the quantity or quality of breast milk. Actually, as an aside, when a woman has an, a progesterone IUD placed during breastfeeding, she's also less likely to struggle quite as much with spotting because the lining is already thinner from breastfeeding. Number four, some women have blood clotting conditions that make contraceptive pills with estrogen a poor choice. In most cases, either type of IUD would still be an option. What are the disadvantages of IUDs? So insertion of anything into the body comes with risks. It's possible, but very rare, to introduce infection into the upper reproductive system when the IUD gets placed. That's obviously something providers try very hard to prevent, and there's protocol to follow, um, which helps them stop that from happening. Another risk is that the provider will misjudge how much force is needed to pass through the cervix, and they'll actually pass through the uterus as well into the belly. Then A, the IUD can't be guaranteed to work, and B, it'll need to be retrieved. That's done with laparoscopic surgery. I strongly encourage women to ask providers about their track records. If they've never had that hop happen, they've never perforated a uterus, then they've got the technique down. If it happens to them with some frequency, and I've worked with some doctors that that was the case, ask if there's another doctor, midwife, or nurse practitioner in the practice who does it better. Okay, maybe don't use the term better, but ask if there's someone who has never perforated. Waiting until six weeks for after birth for placement also does seem to help decrease the perforation risk. Okay, a little fun fact about that first thing where I said the IUDs aren't supposed to work. There's actually a case study from Israel that showed the progesterone levels from an IUD in the belly were higher than in a woman taking an oral progesterone-only pill. So they probably do still protect from pregnancy until it's retrieved, but I mean, it's obviously not recommended to count on it. I just think it's kind of cool. Some women will expel their IUDs. It's called an IUD expulsion. Basically, it passes back out through the cervix. 
Sometimes this comes with cramping and bleeding, and other times a woman will miss it happening entirely. It may have something to do with the technique, the way it was inserted, but it may also have to do with the angle or the tilt of a woman's uterus. The lowest rates of expulsion happen when it's placed mid-cycle, mid-menstrual cycle. It's important to know that women who have already expelled one IUD have a one in three chance of expelling another IUD. But on the flip side, that means two out of three will not expel it. So something to keep in mind. Let's review and compare copper versus progesterone. Like who will benefit from each one? The biggest sell for copper is probably that you get to keep your cycle, your menstrual cycle, exactly as it is. Are you very regular? If so, then you'll stay that way. It's predictable. And the IUD lasts for a very long time. Across the United States, it's notably popular in cultures where women get nervous about something being wrong anytime their period is late. So you'll see different levels of popularity in different parts of the country. Some from women also prefer going to the mikvah, the mikvah every month. In that case, this is really a great option because the IUD will not interfere with that, meaning it will not change their cycle. As mentioned before, it will cause spotting at the beginning, or it can. Because of the longer duration of spotting with the progesterone IUDs, copper is more frequently recommended by Rabbanim and from women's health organizations. At the same time, because of the heavier bleeding that's associated with the copper IUDs, it's not recommended for women who have anemia or for periods that are already quite heavy. And for that, we recommend the progesterone or the hormonal IUDs. What's the main perk with those? Lighter and less frequent periods once that spotting ends. They're also recommended for women who have, who are experiencing heavy bleeding as they get closer to menopause. So in generations prior, women would often just get a hysterectomy at that point, but removing the uterus is a major surgery and it's no longer the go-to solution. I'm just kind of tossing that in here, even though this is mainly a contraceptive um, podcast. Any woman who wants to get an IUD, but especially a hormonal IUD, really needs to have a rub to be in contact with to discuss Nita Shilas on how and when to get clean. Some of the solutions I've heard are, I mean, they include a very strict don't look policy, black underwear, fewer badikas at the very beginning until a woman's able to get a week clean. So it's, it's a full topic of conversation that someone needs to have with their rub. Additionally, if a woman doesn't have any contraindications to estrogen, like she's not breastfeeding, she has no history of blood clots, and there are more, then her doctor might recommend adding a birth control for a couple months at the beginning to decrease the spotting. Sometimes that's all it takes. Does brand of IUD make a difference? Yes, mostly because different companies include different amounts of hormones and make their products in different sizes. I'm gonna talk now more about what's available in the United States, but please check out the podcast description or my website from womenshealth.com for a link to another woman's blog post discussing the options for intrauterine contraception in Israel, because they really are different. They use European standards here instead of the FDA. So where the U.S. only has one copper IUD on the market, the T-shaped Paragard, there are a few more options in Israel, and they're in really interesting shapes. And while there are only a handful of hormonal IUDs available, I'm sorry, there are a handful of 
hormonal IUDs available in the U.S., but only two available in Israel. So in any case, the basics about each type and how they work are the same, and they do come in the different sizes and dosing in both countries, the, the hormonal IUDs. Marina and Lilata are both a bit larger and have a higher dose of progesterone. Because of this, they're most often recommended to women who have already had a child for ease of insertion and because the uterus is a bit roomier at that point. There are a few perks of the higher dose, which that higher dose is released slowly over time. It's not like someone gets a blast of progesterone. Number one, they're effective for up to seven years. As I mentioned, that means if a woman gets one placed in her mid-40s, when her period starts to get really heavy, she can generally count on it to decrease bleeding and prevent pregnancy all the way through menopause. In general, 20% of women with the Mirena or Lilata will stop having a period by the end of the first year, and 60% of them will stop by the end of the fifth year. This isn't a problem for many women, especially those who have heavy periods, it's a fantastic side effect. It happens because the uterine lining thins out to the point that nothing comes off when hormones shift during the menstrual cycle. If a woman gets her Mirena removed after five years or seven years, and then gets another one reinserted immediately, her period will remain paused. It's not, it doesn't go with the IUD itself. It goes with the amount of time that kind of IUD was in place. No harm is done to the ovaries or uterus that causes the periods to stop. As far as they know, they're still doing their thing. When the IUD is removed, the lining will reset with the first hormonal cycle that takes place without the IUD there. Kylena and Skyla are both smaller, lower dose IUDs, and they're recommended for women who haven't had a child. Because they contain smaller amounts of hormones, they're much less likely to cause periods to stop completely. And they stay in place for a shorter amount of time, although still a few years. And when I say they're recommended for women who haven't had a child, they can be used for women who have had a child as well. They're just smaller, so they're additionally recommended. They're better recommended than Mirena for someone who hasn't. Um, like I mentioned before, you'll occasionally hear women complain about being able to feel their IUDs, and that smaller size might help those women in particular. Again, that's really rare. I have one friend and I had one patient, and both of them were talking about the copper IUD, but just in case, it, it does happen. Okay, ladies, I think that's everything I have for you on IUDs right now. I picked this form of birth control to discuss first just because of how much misunderstanding I've heard about how they work, but Bezat Hashem, I will put up more information about other options as well. Thanks for joining me on today's Panema Wellness Podcast. For more information on this and other women's health topics or to schedule a consultation, please visit fromwomenshealth.com. Questions and feedback are also always welcome.